Hello, everybody. Welcome to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show, where we help you win at the game of business and marketing. As the name says, our listeners are business creators. We have our entrepreneurs. We have our small business owners, our local business owners. We have the marketing and business coaches and consultants. We have the folks who help others build, grow, and nurture their businesses. And we have the do-it-yourselfers who like to have your own hands on the levers as you market and grow your business. If you are one or more of the above, and chances are you are one or more of the above, explore our episodes, discover how we help you win at the game of business and marketing at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. Also check us out on iTunes. Every five-star rating is greatly appreciated and helps us help more business creators just like you. Be sure to subscribe. We have over 160 episodes available. You will instantly find yourself immersed in dozens and dozens and scores of hours of great content to help business creators just like you. As we approach the new year, we are getting very close to a new year here, and as we go out on the interwebs and we uh, go to the uh, go to the Facebooks and the Twitters and the LinkedIn's and the Instagrams, the Pinterests, and all these other social networks, everybody's declaring that now is the time to get things in motion to have their best year ever, or they will say. Join my mastermind now and make this your best year ever. We keep hearing about the best year ever, best year ever, best year ever, best year ever. But I'll tell you what I don't see too much of. And maybe it's just me, but I've spoken with other people, and they tend to report the same thing, is you don't really hear all that many people out there reporting saying, wow, this was my best year ever. It seems like it's the same dagnabbing year, year after year after year after year. And if there are any improvements, it's mostly in the form of a cost of living increase. And today we want to change that. What we're going to talk about today is how to rewire your brain to master a new habit or skill. And to help us with that, I have a great friend of mine, somebody I've known for a long time, very excited to have her on the show here today, Meredith Bell. And just to tell you a little bit about Meredith before we have her say hello and we dive right in here, Meredith Bell has been an entrepreneur since 1982, and she's an expert in helping companies develop the people side of their business. Meredith is the co-founder and president of Performance Support Systems, a global software company based in Virginia. Their products are used by business consultants, executive coaches, and human resource training professionals to help managers become more effective leaders. One of Meredith's strengths is building strong relationships. She and her business partners have worked together for 25 years, and many of their clients and resellers have done business with them for 20 years. She understands what's required to build a loyalty and commitment to lead to repeat business and referrals. She takes pride in getting feedback like this, which is from a reseller who's worked with her company since 1994. Here's the quote. Performance support systems is the epitome of the client-centered, high-integrity, high-support company with world-class products. You can look for a lifetime and not find its equal. Well, if you, like me, appreciate excellence, you're ready to say hello to Meredith as much as I am. So, hello, Meredith. Hi there, Adam. It's great to be with you today. 
Yeah, and it's great to circle back around to you here, too. Uh, you and I have known each other uh, for about 10 years now. I went and looked it up recently. It's been about 10 years. We used to be in a mastermind together. Uh, I think we were on a webinar together once, and we've just known each other for a very long time. And I can attest that I've learned a great deal from you over the years on the topic we're going to cover today. So I'm excited to share this with our audience. And at the same time, as our listeners know, not only am I the host, but I'm also a student. So I'll be in the front row taking notes looking for the slight edge in my business. And even though I've heard a lot of this before, I still listen again. And you want to listen to things again and again and again, because every time you listen, you're in a different place. Every time you listen, you have a different need. Every time you listen, you receive the message at a new level. But before we do all that, uh, Meredith, I read off your excellent biography there. But could you just tell us a little bit about uh, your story and the journey you've taken to find your intersection of brilliance and passion doing what you do? Oh, I would love to. Because as I was listening to that, I thought, you know, if somebody listening to this is a brand-new entrepreneur, they, they might think, hmm, you know, how do I get to that point? Well, <laughs> I um I started with no business experience or knowledge. So if I can, you know, have the longevity that I've had in the business world, really anybody can. Because I started as a teacher in a classroom at the elementary level. All my life I had wanted to be a teacher. And that's what I aspired to. That's what I did. But what I found after a few years was I got kind of bored. And so I got my master's. I moved into administration with public school systems and realized I don't do politics and I don't do bureaucracy well. So (laughs) I just didn't belong. And that's true of so many people that go into business for themselves. They're frustrated with the constraints that are in the organization they're currently in and that's where I was. So the pain of, you know, being where I was was greater than the unknown. And so with support from my husband, more emotional than anything else, I just jumped into starting my own business with zero, you know, background, zero knowledge about running a business, but I am a lifelong learner and I figured, you know, I can figure this out. So I studied, I read, I went to classes, and of course, as you mentioned, it was 1982. There were no computers. There was no internet back then, so it was, um, you know, really studying from books in the library and local people that I was able to network with and just discovered I really wanted to serve people in an area that I discovered in my work in the school systems was really you know, a critical one, which is how do people communicate with each other? How do people get along? How do leaders do an effective job so that the people who are, you know, reporting to them give their best efforts and want to do, you know, their best work? And so that's what I really focused on with small businesses was going in and working with the owners, the top leadership, and oftentimes the employees around this whole communication skills, um, building a strong team, how to communicate well with each other, but also with your clients and customers. So that was something I just really enjoyed doing. And then I met 
um, one of my two business partners, and we started collaborating on some things. And because our values um, and interests were really well aligned, we ended up combining our businesses and brought in a third person who was our operations, you know, financial, uh, legal person. Uh, and we were out there delivering programs to clients. Um, both training and consulting. But after a while, we decided you know, we'd rather create products that could be used by a lot more people because individually we could only reach so many folks. So in 1993, we made the decision that we were going to transition to being a software company. And this was not unlike when I left the school systems in 1982 because we didn't really know how to be a software company, but we thought, you know, we can figure this out. So we created our first product um, and released it in 94, and some of the resellers uh, and customers that bought it that long ago still work with us today, and I'm really proud of that. And part of it is that wow. we really strive to give, you know, wonderful service we, um, you know, created solid products that really meet a need, and uh, I really focus a lot of my time and energy just on investing in the relationships. You know, I know them on a personal level, families, you know, children, grandchildren, um, and just really enjoy that part of the business. So that's my strength in in. The three partners, I'm the one that's out there. I'm sort of the face of the company responsible for our marketing and sales, and um, as well as having content knowledge around this topic we're going to be focusing on today about, you know, building strong habits and skills. What really drives me, Adam, is seeing how our products make a difference in the lives of people, where they um, – get information because one of our products is a survey tool which can be used you know to get information about a company or a leader so a leader gets what's called 360 degree feedback so they find out what strengths people really admire and want more of but also what are some of the things they're doing that get in the way of people giving their best efforts so that they understand oh people need more of this but less of that and and then we also have an online coaching and development tool that helps people really get the practice they need to acquire the skills. But what we see happening, the result that our products produce are stronger leaders, stronger business owners. And I mean stronger in the sense of, you know, having that inner strength to do the hard things, but also becoming more effective with their people. So overall, the culture, the atmosphere in the company is more positive and people are better performers because of the openness of the communication that's happening. Wow, that's pretty impressive. And uh, we haven't even started to talk about uh, changing habits yet. So uh, we're going to get into that in just one second. But there is one question that our listeners know comes next. And you can hear the drum roll in the background, and my cat's sitting right next to me, and she's getting excited. In fact, she was kind of jumping all over me there while you were telling us your story. I guess she kind of liked it, too. Isn't that a pretty good <laughs> Yes, it is. Yeah, hey, but, hey the, the cats are my production assistants, and they have a role in this, whether people like it or not, and most people love it. Uh, here comes the question. Here in the Business Creators Radio Show, we provide the tools, techniques, and strategies 
self entrepreneurs quickly grow their businesses. A lot of our listeners tell me they have everything they need to implement anything that we recommend they do except for time and money. Do you see this? Uh, actually, time and money. So this is a question that we ask everybody who appears on the Business Creators Radio Show. And what I like is not only the variety of different answers, but also the variety of different ways the question is interpreted. Sorry, I jumped ahead there a little bit. So, Meredith, how do time and money impact what you're going to share with our listeners today? Uh, Very directly with both of them, um, Adam, because on the money side, if you don't develop good habits that really benefit your business um, as well as your customers and your employees, you're going to have turnover, you're going to lose sales. So it having the right kinds of skills and habits has a direct impact on your bottom line. Um, the time piece is, is important because um, – you don't automatically just turn on a specific skill. It takes an investment of time and effort to develop it. And so I think that um, as people hear what I'm going to share today, they'll realize that even though there is an investment in developing a specific skill, it's well worth it because, because once you have it in place, you've got it and you can continue using it. So both of those, to me, are very relevant to our conversation. Okay. Well, that sounds fantastic. And what I'd like to do now is get into what we're going to talk about here today, which is the whole idea of rewiring your brain to master a new habit or skill. Now, you and our listeners heard a few moments ago me talking about the whole concept of the best year ever and how, to me, it's one of the most over use cliches out there. Uh, Let's talk about habits here. And the first thing that I'd like to get into is something that you suggested that we begin with is why is it so hard to change a habit in the first place? Well, if you think about it, your way of doing things is something that you've established over a long time. And it's actually physically wired in the brain. So your brain, and and most people don't think about this because our brain just kind of does what it does, but there are actual physical connections that happen in the brain when you repeat a behavior over and over and over. So that becomes your way of doing it. And it's a hard, think of it as hard wiring, you know, physical connections. And um, so just desire alone you know, or saying, I'm going to have my best year ever, you know, making that commitment um, doesn't uh, automatically rewire your brain. So you have to uh, do start doing things differently. In other words, there's no delete key <laughs> in your brain. You can't right. erase these connections. They're there. And so what you have to do is create a new one that that becomes stronger than the old one so that that's the uh-huh. the one that you use all the time and um i think that if i could use this analogy i i've done this before and it's helpful for people if you think about the fact that your goal for let's say you know having your best year ever or um changing something you want to change um you want it to become like a super highway 
But actually what you're starting with is a dirt road because you don't have those connections yet. You've got another connection that's sort of like a uh, a well-known road that you travel, sort of like the way when you drive to work, if you commute to an office or to anywhere on a regular basis, you're just kind of on autopilot. You just do it without thinking about it. And that's what happens. Let's say you're in a conversation and your your pattern is to interrupt people or finish their sentences. That's what you do. And so you can't just all of a sudden become a master at being quiet or listening or doing something different than what you've done because you're really starting with a dirt road. And as you know, when you drive your car over a dirt road, it's bumpy and uncomfortable and it is something that you want to get off of as soon as you can because it's yeah. uh, it's not it's not something you're enjoying. But the problem is you've got this other road. Think of it kind of running parallel to that dirt road that you're com- that is your comfortable way of doing it. So it's tempting to hop over on that more comfortable road and just revert back to what you've always done. It takes time and effort to stick with trying a new thing over a period of time. So that's what it really takes is the repetition, the practice. Um, if you think about somebody that pays to get, um, you know, lessons from a golf pro or a tennis pro, they give you the lesson, but then by golly, you've got to go practice that over and over and over again because the way you were doing it is what's more um, comfortable and familiar to you. So it's hard to change a habit because what we've got established already is so ingrained in us. You know, uh, that brings up a good thing to mention. You see these folks in business that want to change the, let's say they want to uh, do a different type of business, something that's more fun, or let's say they want a higher level client. And what I see happen way too often, and I myself fell into this trap twice, which is why I pay so, so, such close attention to this whole thing of habit creation, is as you're making the transition, many folks find themselves in a situation where the transition happens before the new money does. So they find themselves in a bit of a cash flow desert, and next thing you know, one of those familiar old opportunities knocks on the door and says, look, you know how to do this. This is easy money. Take it. But see, they're so excited. Oh, okay, now I have money. Why work on this other thing? They forgot why they were getting away from that old thing in the first place and get a painful reminder about a week into it. Right. No, I get that. And, you know, the reality of business is you have to be sensitive to your cash flow. And so there might be times when, it's a more gradual uh, accumulation of this new skill. The key is is um, practicing it. So if you're wanting to go, let's say, on a different venture with your business, to have a an interim period where possibly you're doing some of the old thing and some of the new thing before you get the new one totally wired, you know, that's that's doable. Um, because the reality is you got to pay your bills. Right, right, very true. Uh, you know, another, another place I see this is when it comes to folks who want to change their dietary pattern, whether they're embracing a new dietary lifestyle, uh, like, for instance, uh, going vegetarian or vegan or paleo or whatever those, 
you know, those types of categories are or whether they want to um, remove or reduce a certain type of intake. Uh, when you have all these things come, when you have all these folks trying to do this, and then what happens is they jump in, just go gangbusters with it, and eventually they'll binge in the opposite direction or they'll become susceptible to the people and say, are you still doing that vegetarian thing? And they'll want to eat a cheeseburger. <laughs> what happens there, as I see it, is the failure to create a habit around the new thing that you want to do. Uh, so when you have somebody who will use vegans, for instance, because I am one, uh, when they make that transition to the lifestyle, I still get the questions, even though it's been four and a half years of, well, what, you know, don't you miss having a, having a hamburger or, uh, you, you know, you go to a steakhouse and you, you see that New York strip steak. You, sh you sure you don't want that? No, I don't even think about it. The reason is, is because when I made the transition, I didn't focus on what I was giving up. I was focused on the great new opportunities that lay ahead. So my transition, I was mostly focused on mastering new recipes. I wasn't as worried about what I was giving up. I wasn't thinking about what I was giving up. I was thinking about what I was getting into. Yes, and you know what you just mentioned there is really key because that is a part of making the commitment and sticking with it is envisioning the benefits that you're going to get from whatever it is that you want to change. So looking ahead at how much you're going to enjoy this new lifestyle or this new um, project you're taking on in your business or whatever it is, reminding yourself why you're doing it. So, because your why is so important no matter what you're doing, If it, especially though if you're trying to acquire a new habit or a new skill to you know, have it in front of you, you know, visually or just have a, a time during the day when you're visualizing the benefits. That is such a key point um, to right. sticking with the habit because you gave just a great example there about, you know, changing your eating habits at the beginning of the year, you know, gym memberships see an increase <laughs> and then the month of January they're packed and then people just kind of fade off. And, what I'd like to do is share a few things that are really key to putting in place in order to help you stick with that new behavior pattern you want to adapt or adopt instead of the old one. So the first one is really focusing on what's the one thing you most want to do because we can get so overwhelmed these days. Um, you know, with, with too many choices, too many things we could do. What's the one thing you would really like to have happen? And then within that, what are some specific actions that you can take to make that happen? So if you're wanting to, let's say, grow your business by a certain percentage or you want to maybe change the way you have initial networking conversations or sales conversations, you have to, you know, get specific about exactly what is it I'm going to do? What is it going to look like when I do this the way I want to do it? So let's just take something that's of, of real interest to any business owner, which is how do you have sales conversations with people or how do you have initial conversations? Because I'm always connecting with people on LinkedIn and, you know, ending up with conversations. Well, in the past, 
I I know that I had been somewhat guilty of waiting for my chance on the conversation to really bring up our product. You know, where's it open? What does they say that's going to let me jump in? And if you know yourself, Adam, when somebody is kind of waiting for the opportunity to talk about their product, there's a, a um, unspoken pressure that the other person feels and it causes them to get defensive and push back. And I thought that at times. And over the years, what I learned is the, a different way of being. And it took practice and it took me making some mistakes along the way. But now I am very, very comfortable when I get on a call with somebody. I'm not thinking about our product at all. It really is a focus on them. And I learned this from a wonderful book called The Prosperous Coach. I ask myself ahead of time, how can I serve this person so powerfully that they never forget our conversation for the rest of their life? Wow. Yeah. That's powerful. Now, if you really, if you dive deep into that question, what it means is that you are 100% focused on them and listening intently to you know, them talk about themselves, their business, their life, whatever it is that's important to them, and then asking questions that get them to think about themselves or their business or their position in a way that maybe nobody else has ever asked them about. So you're not trying to give advice. You're not trying to tell them and, and, and kind of position yourself as a know-it-all, you know, or a wise person, you're, when you really focus on that word serve, it takes the focus off you altogether and totally on them. And what it does for me is it helps me stay calm, relaxed, and open to really hearing what they have to say and what I might be able to offer up in the form of a question or a resource that would be valuable to them. And I will tell you, people do this so rarely that when they experience it, they do remember you. They do remember the conversation. And even if they're not somebody that's ever going to be a prospect for me, I feel that I've kind of paid it forward in the world. You know, (laughs) my goal is to, you know, help it become a better place. So I've had people make referrals to me. Because of conversations like that, where they said, oh, you need to talk to so-and-so, or what can I do for you? You've given so much to me today. And so my motive is never, okay, how can I manipulate this conversation so that's the result I get? No, it's a way of being, but it's something that you know I've practiced and worked on over time, and so that's just how I am. And that's what we're talking about when, we, when we're referring to a habit. It's a way of practicing things over and over again until that becomes your comfort zone. That becomes the way you are so that what was your comfort zone, you're no longer restricted to. See, what jumps out at me is this is going to be a different topic, uh, but gets into how habits and your own habits interact with other folks. I'm going to tell you a story about something that happened to me last year. I was at an event, 
and there was a networking party the evening before, and already I was not real excited about this because being the highly introverted person I am, the last thing I wanted to do was go into some place where it was really dark and there was loud music and you're bumping up against people just to get around. Uh, so already I'm thinking, why does this have to be this way? I want to have a quiet conversation with three or four people about deep topics. And I don't want to have to do all the whole networking stuff or what have you. And this one turned out to be just really bad because people, I, I had no idea who they are. They, would, they wouldn't even introduce themselves. They would say, hey, what do you do? And after about the third time this happened to me, I said, does it really matter? And I left the event. Because that wasn't really a frame for... To me, anyway, that wasn't a frame for anything productive or helpful. And what I was missing in that, so we're getting to the part where I recognized the learning lesson I had there, is I hadn't sufficiently, at that point a year ago, developed the intellectual muscle, so to speak, to be able to turn that conversation around. Uh, I, you know, if you ask me, you know, what do you do? My usual answer is I don't do narratives. Or, I'll say, or if I don't have to say that at all, what I'll do is I'll redirect the conversation because, you know, it doesn't matter what I do. It really does not matter what I do for a living or what my company does. What matters is what you need and where you need help. And I want to know that because once I know about you, then I know if we are a solution that can help you and we can position ourselves as tailor-made. But I didn't have mm-hmm. that. But I didn't have that habit, so I found myself in a very difficult situation, and I had to just walk away from it for my own sanity. I mean, people are listening to this like, "Oh boy, somebody asked him what he did. What kind of big tough guy is he?" But uh, the fact is, it's like, do I really have to recite this elevator speech again and again and again to people I don't even know that are already going to like not remember it by the time I finish it? Are you kidding me? No, 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 no. I don't, I'm not interested in that. And I'm not interested in myself in this whole interaction. I'm interested in the other people. So what I recognize, I need to develop a habit of changing that conversation where instead of it being about me, make it about them. So it put me to work Mm -hmm. diving into those types of situations and just getting practice and building the habit of flipping that around. Exactly. And you'll feel so much at ease and, you know, relaxed in a situation like that when, you know, it all goes back also, Adam, to how you frame it in your mind in advance of entering that situation. Yeah. Because if you go into it with dread, you know, it's amazing. People sense these things about us. Whereas if we are, you know, open and relaxed and smiling and really focused on, you know, who could I serve in this room? Who might I be able to help? Um, It just makes, it has a whole different feel to it. And you won't feel as anxious. You won't have those negative emotions that are kind of bubbling up and um, jumping in when you do encounter somebody. Because you'll know what it is you really want to have happen. You might not know what the outcome is going to be because you can't know that. But you know what your approach will be. And when you have that, you know, clearly in mind and you've practiced it, um, 
it it really makes a big difference. By the way, what you're bringing up here, it really leads into a couple of other steps that I want to tie in with that first one, which is, you know, to focus on the one thing you really want to improve. The, um, the second step there is really to take action. So you've got to practice it in some form, no matter how imperfect it might be. But the third step is really critical, and this is what could help you even now with that situation that happened, because it may be the case, I know it happens for many of us, and I've done it, where I will rehash something that happened in the past, even though I know I can't change it anymore. I'll keep beating myself up about it. <laughs> right. Or I'll say, I wish I had done this. Whereas what I'm going to share next, I hope people will write down because it's a series of questions that will help you um, take away the lessons from a specific experience so that the next time you go to apply that habit, now you've got this additional learning that you're bringing to it so you might handle it more effectively, and especially in the case where it didn't go the way you hoped it would. Right. So the first question is just to think logically about what happened. You know, what was the sequence? This, then this, then this, then this. So you get that. And it's better to write these down than to, to write down the answers than to just think about them because there's power in writing. And your recent guest, Chris Green, I mean, Clay Green, yeah, mentioned great guy. that. You know, yeah, the whole thing guy. of journaling. Writing it down is a key part of helping to get it wired into the brain. So you write down what happened, but then that's the left side of the brain. The right side is, how did I feel about it? You know, what emotions went through me as I think back on how things transpired. So that's sort of the first step. Then the next one is to think about why did it happen that way? So were my motivations, what was going on with me that caused me or caused things to go the way they did? The third question is what are the consequences or what were the consequences? So what was the outcome? What was the result? Did you get what you hoped for or was it something else? But to be very clear about that and understand, here's what happened when I did this. And then to really stop and think about what would you do differently in the future so that you come up with a different plan that you consciously you know, have thought through and you have this intention of doing a specific um, thing differently. And, you know, Adam, this applies to... You know, when you're wanting to change how you eat, for example, and you let's say you ate something that you said, I'm not going to have that anymore. So it, you can go, go through a process like this um, for what you eat. You can do it after a networking event. I, You know, I had a similar thing at uh, GKIC um, years ago when they used to have those um, sessions before the conference started you know, where um, it was sort of like a reception the night before, and everyone had a chance to speak for about a minute on themselves and, and what they do and how they might benefit the group. And even though I had given some thought to that, when the mic came over to me, I didn't do a very good job. And I was just, as soon as I handed the microphone off, I thought, geez, I blew that. And 
I, the whole rest of the night, you know, I kind of wasted the opportunity because I was preoccupied with thinking about what I should have said or wished I had said. And when I got back to my room, I was still beating myself up. And what I did is I took out a piece of paper and I answered all these questions. I wrote it down because I thought I am not going to let this one situation ruin the weekend for me. And it was amazing how I was able to let it go after I went through that process uh, because I, I had my plan for the next time and I was able to stop that inner critic from running rampant over, you know, what I could have, should have done. And that's the beauty of going through this focus, action, reflection, and then repeating it because over time you are starting to rewire your brain. The problem is we often go from one thing to another to another to another, and we don't stop and take the time to analyze or process what happened. So we repeat the same mistakes because we think we don't have time to do that analysis. Um, and this gets back to your you know, early question about time and money. If we don't take time after something happens that we're not happy about to process it and examine you know, and look at what was our responsibility, hold our accountable for it, but then move on, then we risk repeating those same mistakes and we can end up wasting a lot of time in the future. Right. I could not agree more with that assessment. So what's really great here is how you kind of answered my question before I was going to ask it because we were going to get into what does it take to replace those old habits with new habits. And you kind of jumped in there with that, which is fantastic. And also to answer one of your questions and highlight something, when I walked into that situation, that networking event, you know, the fact was I really wasn't excited about being there in the first place. I mean, as I described, the atmosphere was the exact opposite of anything that I would ever willingly do. It was dark. You had really loud music. You had a big crowd of people, uh, yeah, it's like I, I have absolutely no tolerance or patience for lots of noise and having to lean in and you know hear rah, 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 and then pretend like you actually right. know what they said and come up with some reaction to it and hope that they hope that they match. I don't have you know plus you know my hearing in my one ear has never really been all that good, so that even puts me more of a disadvantage in those situations. It's like I mean it's that's like me walking into a room full of people who hate me. Uh, not that they do hate me, but just the idea of, I'm going to complete disadvantage. There's nothing I can gain there. So that was already that was already three strikes up. And then I was supposed to meet a couple people that I actually knew there, which was the reason I was willing to show up, is because people that I knew from outside there were going to be there. So I'd have some, you know, circle of folks you know, I could use as a you know, I could use the base to work the room a little bit better. They hadn't shown up. Mm. So after the third, what do you do? It's like, what does it matter? And, and why the hell am I here? And I left. I went and had a cigar. I felt better. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I mean, yeah, well, I, you know, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. I, I was done. Go no, ahead. I was going to say sometimes. Sometimes taking care of yourself means, you know, leaving a situation that turns out to be different than what you um, thought it was going to be. 
So that can be okay also. Once you realize there's no way to strike up a meaningful conversation here, the conditions are such that I can't make it work. So right. It, it, you know, that's another legitimate, you know, conclusion to draw from a situation like that where you don't have to feel, you know, guilty or bad about what you did because it, 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 the scenario was not what you had thought it was going to be. I didn't feel the least bit bad about it. What I looked at is I was in this thing for about five minutes and I recognized that this is a situation that what, that wasn't really something that I could work with and I was better off not being there. So I cut my losses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at the rate at the rate, at the rate I was going, I wasn't going to accomplish anything there, so I bailed. Uh, that uh, that doesn't make me by any means antisocial or anything like that. It just wasn't my scene. And you know why? I mm-hmm. mean, why is it that you know, as I say, and this this is actually a great question. I know it's going to be a little bit off topic here, and I know we're already two thirds of the way through this, but this just occurred to me, and I want to get your thoughts on it. Uh, there may be some folks who listen to what I just described that situation, and they say, well. You know, you're not always going to get exactly what you want. You've just got to go in there and you've got to, you've got to, you know, get to know people and, and be open and, and to have a friend, you got to be a friend and all this other stuff. And I think that people are programmed that they're supposed to force themselves into uncomfortable situations knowing full well that it's just not their scene or there's a way that they could do it more effectively or there's a better place that they could get the same results. But there's a level of, I'm going to just use the word shame attached to not diving into things that you know don't work well for you because you just got to tough it out. Leaving aside the whole thing of there are a hundred other places you could be that could be better off. It's like going into it's like going into a club where you're not welcome and trying to force people to like you, you know, to use for lack of a better phrase. But meanwhile, in five other scenes, you got people lined up around the block wanting more of you. And Mm-hmm. This whole tendency that we see to push people into situations to prove how tough, brave, smart, open they are, what have you, when a better course of action for them could be to just go to a different room, could that be adversely or positively impacting people's abilities to form habits? Well, that is Really, such an important question that you're raising, Adam, because I think, you know, one of my favorite uh, coaches for small business owners or entrepreneurs is Dan Sullivan of Strategic Coach. Sure. And he really recommends focusing on your unique abilities rather than trying to, you know, overcome those things that you really abhor or are not, you know, strengths for you in any way. Now, granted, there are certain things we all need to improve universally just to become better human beings. Right. But when it comes to business and choices that you make in your business, I think it makes so much sense to work on developing the habits and skills that take advantage of your natural strengths. And so each person really needs to answer that for himself or herself, you know, it's different uh, uh, to contrast it. Okay. There's this whole idea of, you know, playing small, meaning that if you don't make big requests, if you don't stretch out of your comfort zone to approach people 
because you're afraid of rejection, that's a different kind of thing that you can develop the habit by asking more often, getting more rejections, and learning how to let that roll off your back versus trying to develop a, a way of, say, marketing your business that just is so opposed to what what comes naturally for you. You know, not everyone needs to be getting up on the stage and making presentations. Not everyone needs to be writing a book, um, you know, as a way of positioning themselves as an authority. And I think that's the kind of thing you're referring to where where entrepreneurs get told so often, oh, you ought to be doing this, you ought to be doing that. Right. Well, I think that we need to engage the thinking and evaluation process that's a part of, you know, our front front brain. It's what makes us different from other animals. We have the ability to evaluate before we make a decision. And I think to ask, you know, how will I feel about this if I take it on? Is this something that is good for me to stretch out of my comfort zone and do because I'm going to have the benefit of increased sales, increased revenue, more free time, whatever the benefit is that is a very strong driver for you. But you can also ask, is there another way that I could achieve this where I will feel energized, excited, you know, um, feeling like I'm utilizing my natural strengths versus trying to, you know, develop a weakness that is always going to be a weakness. I'm not mechanically inclined, Adam. My husband is, gratefully. I'm married to a mechanical engineer. He can fix anything in our house. Nice. I I don't have an interest in it, and I don't want to ever attempt it. Um, You know, it's just not what I want to do. So I could spend time on that, but I would hate every minute of it, and I guess I could develop some level of competence. But in business, I love having conversations with people and learning more about them and what they're trying to accomplish to see if there's a way I might be of help to them. So I love, you know, one of my best, excuse me, marketing and sales strategies is connecting with people on LinkedIn, um, you know, having a little back and forth messaging with them and then eventually having a, a conversation with them by phone or Skype. And I'm, I get in the flow. I love that. And they enjoy the conversation because they're getting some valuable um, either resources or information that's helpful to them. You know, that was acquired over time, but that built on a natural strength that I had. And so I think it's really important to take time to think about, you know, what do I love doing? What energizes me? And then stretching in that area so that you continue to grow. But that's very different than looking at something you hate to do and say, well, I've got to do it anyway. In fact, it's a choice. Yes. uh, Thank you very much. And I think that you kind of hit the nail on the head with what I was praying and hoping you'd say because it would mean I was right at some level. But no, uh, halfway joking. But seriously, uh, in in, in all seriousness, so the way you look at my situation is, yeah, I don't want to be in a dark, noisy place where I can't even hear the people because I just disclosed 10 minutes ago that my hearing in my right right ear isn't so good. So I'm at an absolute disadvantage where with all those other factors going around, 
I'm not even physically equipped to be in that scenario. But you put me in a quiet room with three or four people in a small group conversation, and that's my scene. So why would I not just go find that? You know, that's a great example. And I think the question then for you and for anyone else, it's the creative question. You know, um, given this situation, what would I like to create from it? Um, given how I like to interact with people or how I like to do X, what would I like to create? How would I like to structure time so that I get to do more of that? Because doing helps me get the results I'm looking for. I think that the more we can structure the time in our days to do the things that really energize us, the more effective we're going to be that momentum we've built up that positive energy that keeps us going so i think that's really the key is taking the time to just think about what is it that i could do that would help me whatever it is build my business be more be a more effective marketer be a more effective you know their salesperson whatever your goal is what do you need to do to um structure your day in order to make more of those moments happen for you. Wow. Uh, See, that's really cool. Now, here's another thing I thought of. I have been told for so many years that I need to do more talking head videos. I need need to do more videos where people see my, you know, me speaking, what have you. And then there's this, you know, we just, we got these smartphones you can hold up and you see all these people holding a smartphone up their face and walking around and, and uh, sometimes even driving their cars, which mystifies me to no end why somebody would do that. Uh, and say, well, you've got to do this if you want your audience to relate to you. And I say, no, I don't. No, I don't, I don't want to. Uh, fact is, I have a face for radio, but here's the thing. I also have a voice for radio. I've had complete strangers walk up to me and ask me if it was true that I was a host of some radio show somewhere. So that's my gift mm. is the use, is the use mm-hmm. of my voice. Now, I don't, I don't want to do some video where I'm holding my phone up and walking around or what have you because I personally think it's undignified and I just won't do it. I'm not going to put down others that are doing great work with that. Uh, and if they're attracting tons of clients and they're growing their business and, and they're, and they're nurturing their brand by doing that, then more power to them. Cause I believe that there's enough in this world for everybody. But for me personally, it's just not, not something I'll do. So I don't care how many times you tell me I have to do it or I'm missing out. I don't think I'm missing out on a thing. Well, that's a really, um, key um, point that you just brought up, Adam, everyone needs to look at what is going to be the most effective choice for them. You know, the medium you use to communicate with others, as well as, you know, which of these social media platforms, um, because, it, you know, if, who, depending on who you listen to, you need to be on all of them, or you need to be on this and that. And I can give you an example with Instagram, I had attended this webinar where, you know, the speaker was making a case for even business to business, which is what we're involved with, uh, needs to be on Instagram. And I thought, okay, I'm going to listen with an open mind 
And I even tried it. And after a short time, I said, nope, I don't want to spend my time. I spend most of my time on LinkedIn. That is truly by far the best platform for me um, with how I like to do business and the kinds of folks I really want to meet. It's not Facebook, even though I'm there. It's more getting updated on family news. Um, and Twitter, I've been on, gosh, for eight or so years. And so I've got, you know, a system for that. I've, you know, that's one of those things where I have a habit or a skill of getting things in place on Twitter. And so it kind of runs itself. Um, but LinkedIn is where I'm really interacting with people. And so that to me is similar to what you're talking about as to which medium is best to use for communicating. Cause not every should do video. If you look at how long it might take someone who hates video to actually produce even a one-minute video, that's yeah. not as good a use of their time as if they are a more proficient writer and vice versa. Um, if they come across well on video and they are just natural, then that can be the perfect way for them to communicate. And maybe they struggle with that blank screen, I don't want to have to write, so they can speak it and then have somebody transcribe it and end up with an article. I think you have to look at if I'm going to invest an hour of this, you know, of my time in this, what's my return potentially going to be? And again, structuring your day and your time so that you really are leveraging it to take advantage of where you're strongest. Now, having said all that, there are things that we as business owners have got to be willing to commit to do um, if we really want to have a successful business. And, you know, if we're not so good at selling, then we either need to bring on people who do enjoy selling or we need to find an approach to selling that allows us to, you know, not want to throw up. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, or, or be feeling anxious or anything like that. So there, we have to think about for business owners, what are the things that um, this one, my favorite, one of my very favorite books, Adam, is um, Straight Line Leadership. It's one of the best leader and personal development books I've ever read. And he talks about the necessary required actions identifying those, and then committing to do them. Now, circling back to this whole topic of how do you develop a habit, besides having this process of focus, action, reflection, and repeating that, another key component of sticking with a habit is having some kind of a coach, whether you know it's somebody you're paying or it's an accountability partner, but someone who's going to be checking in on you on a regular basis to make sure you're doing the things you committed to do. All the 12-step programs, you know, use sponsors uh, as a person who's doing that kind of checking in. Even Weight Watchers, you know, they've got these group meetings and there's the right. accountability built in. So having that accountability piece is really critical because you can have – the best of intentions, but unless you're answering to somebody, whether it's a paid coach or just, you know, a colleague or friend, but somebody that's going to be, um, you know, checking with you is a key part to sticking with uh, a habit. And that's why people who hire, let's say, a personal trainer at the gym 
are more likely to keep going because they've got that appointment. They're going to stick with it. And, um, it, it, and when you start an exercise program, even if you want to start walking regularly in your neighborhood, having a neighbor that will walk with you enhances that commitment to follow through. Wow. Okay. Uh, see, this is this is fantastic. And we're actually just about out of time. But the reason I took this tangent of the things, or seeming tangent of the, you know people doing things that they are either uncomfortable with and or are really outside their comfort zone and how that pertains to forming a habit, I think is very important because we're more likely to form the habit when we can easily make the case that this is something we're going to benefit from. Uh, And if there's a path of least resistance, it can get you the same results. Why would you not follow that? Because you're probably going to get better results because it's a place that's going to be more in your comfort zone. That's my take. I think that that was a very relevant point, and yeah. I'm glad you brought it up. Yeah, sometimes these uh, these episodes take uh, very interesting turns, uh, and I got to say, mm-hmm. you're you've been a really great guest expert to have here. I think I asked you a total of what four questions, and you answered the ten I was planning. I mean, that's great. I love it. <laughs> oh, good. Well, you, you know, really, my attitude with your show. Adam is the same as I have with a call with, you know, someone who's a prospective client or just a new acquaintance. How can I be of service? And what that means is a willingness to kind of go with the flow and be comfortable with where the conversation takes us because I don't have a, you know, predetermined rigid way that I think it should go. That's absolutely right. Okay. So we got, 60 seconds here, Meredith. Somebody wants to take this to the next level with you. How will they connect with you? What do you have to offer? Okay. Go to LinkedIn to connect with me. I've got a lot of information just in my profile there. But also our website, strongforperformance.com, and that's strongforperformance.com. We've got free resources there, and we also have some videos people can watch to learn more about what we have. That's fantastic. And I've been to that website myself. And I got to say that you do have a lot of great resources here. Uh, This is a topic, as I said, about uh, rewiring your brain to master a new habit or skill. And I think we've discovered in the past hour is that a lot of that rewiring just comes from how we look at the opportunities in front of us and what we focus on and how that directs how we think about things and how we approach things. And for that, I've got to say that I'm eternally grateful, and we're we're appreciative of you, Meredith. Thank you very much. It's been an honor and an education. Oh, I feel the same way. Thank you, Adam. It's been a pleasure to be with you. Ah, very good. And for everybody listening, this is Adam Homey, host of the Business Creators Radio Show. Please check out our previous and our upcoming episodes at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com and subscribe to us on iTunes. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.